Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Hi there, it's Carolyn here. Just before you listen to this message on the podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up on something you missed. Right before we preached this message, together as a church, we did a Kahoot. Now, a Kahoot is like a game where you interact with your smartphone and some questions that appear on the big screen. It's a way of having fun and usually there's a leaderboard and someone wins the Kahoot. But because this message is about do not judge, we really wanted to create an experience where people could anonymously answer questions that revealed some of their inner thoughts about innocuous and controversial issues in order for people just to have an experience of what it's like when we might encounter opinions that are different to ours. And so there were 10 questions ranging from, do you scrunch or fold in toilet paper? What's your favorite breakfast? What drink in life could you not live without? Right through to other questions about, what um, political party did you vote for at the last federal election? Do you think it's ever okay for Christians to smoke marijuana? And what's your opinion on climate change? It was really fun. There were lots of laughs and it was really interesting too when we could see everyone's responses at the end of every question. So when you pick up this sermon on the podcast, you're going to hear um, how I started to speak, helping people to reflect on the experience they had doing the Kahoot. But if you missed it, you'll be a bit confused. So that's why I wanted to give you just this little intro. And I hope you enjoy what came after that. Bless you. Bye. What we're going to be looking at tonight is the passage um, in a, on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about judging. And the re- reason I wanted to do that was to maybe kind of push us into, you know, as a community into places where we need to put ourselves on certain sides of an issue. And so if you are visiting for the first time, you've just got a really interesting look at the, <laughs> the culture of our community. Um, but I, but I, I, just, I just wanted to do that as an exercise to see how, you know, it felt to do that. And so I want to ask you a bunch of questions, like just to self-reflect, I suppose. Um, the first one was, was you, were you shocked at any of the results? You're just like, the folding, the marijuana one. Yes, actually, the voting one, you were surprised. Yeah, I think like there's this sense that some of these things we don't obviously openly talk about, but sometimes when you get an anonymous thing, you can be like, oh, wow, I I would not have thought so many of you were okay with marijuana. That's not a problem. I'm just surprised that that's the case. I want to ask, when you uh, found yourself in the minority, like the majority answered differently to you, like how did it make you feel? Did it, did it make you feel like you belonged any less in this community? So <laughs> you felt superior. <laughs> All those other people don't know what they're talking about. Because sometimes I think when we recognise that we are, are different to perhaps many of the people around us, it can actually make us feel quite different about how we belong and maybe make us question, do we actually belong? Because I think in our world, in this day and age, 
There is so much move towards tribalism and to, be, to placing yourself in safe spaces where people agree with you that maybe when you realise you're not in a safe place, it does actually make you question your sense of belonging. Um, this question, how much did you want to know who answered what? <laughs> like, or did you, yeah, or did you like, I don't want to know. Because isn't that, like, it's, I think some people are like, wow, who was that? That was like, doesn't ever think about recycling. <laughs> or is it like, ah, if I find out that that person thinks differently to me, it's going to change the dynamic of how I feel towards them and I don't want to go there. Like we can, like it provokes in us this sense of whether we want to be safe in relationship or whether we prefer ignorance because that feels like safety to us. Um, last question. Do you think that knowing that the person next to you or someone around you thinks radically different to you about social or political or theological issues, if you're honest, would that actually make you feel differently about them as a person? Mm. It's interesting. And so I wanted to provoke in us, I suppose, an exercise where we get a, a sense of experiencing perhaps what, um, I mean, judgment is a big word, but like what it's like to categorise, what it's like to have to make a choice and what it's like to feel different or to, or to feel superior or to feel like, oh, wow, I'm part of the majority here or, wow, I'm not. And like I don't want to know what that person thinks because maybe it would like, these are really important things to pay attention to, I think, in our community and in our awareness. So... We're having a look at Matthew chapter 7 and verses 1 to 5. So I'm just going to read them out. The words of Jesus to his followers. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And these are challenging words from Jesus. And that word judgment has, it's, it's quite, a, a, the word in the Greek has quite a bit, like a lot of different meanings. But one of the meanings of that word judge is to separate um, and to divide into camps. And there is this sense that, you know, I think Jesus is recognising it's part of the human nature that we separate and we divide into camps and we need to know who I am and who my, who's for me and who's against me, who's with me, who's different. And that it's part of our kind of humanity to want to always be able to put that in place in in our relationships with one another and Jesus is saying with the measure you use that will be measured I don't think again in this sense like this whole concept came up in the um, revenge part when we were talking when Jesus is talking about revenge um, and and when Oren was preaching on that he was talking about there's a wheel of 
It's like he used the example of a wheel of revenge. Like you get me and I'm going to get you and then you get me and then I get you. And all of humanity is stuck in this wheel of violence and this wheel of tit for tat and this wheel of revenge. And Jesus would say to us, stop the wheel. Like it's not enough just to ignore the wheel. You need to not participate in the wheel. And I think that's what he's getting at when he's talking about this judgment thing. With the way you judge, you will be judged and the way you measure, it will be measured to you. And it's not like Jesus is saying, this is karma, guys. Like, unless you stop it, you're going to get it in the neck. I think what he's saying is there's a wheel here of judgment that all of humanity is, like, stuck in. And I want to say to you, you need to stop the wheel. You need to stop by not judging. Get out of the way. Stop participating. Don't be someone who separates and divides others into camps. Don't divide yourself into a camp. Like, stop it. It's not the way of humanity. And I think Jesus is trying to expose the wheel um, so that we will just give it up and die to it, die to this idea that we would judge one another. Peter McHugh says, Judgment is one of the great enemies of loving well. And Jesus calls us to love one another and to love one another deeply. And judgment is one of the great enemies of loving well. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying and we have this long um, prayer of Jesus before he is arrested and crucified, one of the main prayers that Jesus prays um, is about oneness. And he says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And there is this sense that one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed for us, his followers, was that we would be one, that we would be in unity with one another and that that oneness would be a demonstration to the world that God is with us and that we are with God. But judgment is the opposite of oneness because, if, like, because it's about separating and dividing out into camps rather than maintaining a sense of oneness. And so in order for us to be the answer to the prayer of Jesus, that we would be one as he is one, we have to die to dividing and judging and criticizing and putting ourselves as separate or other than those around us. And I think the church is a brilliant place where we can um, like image that to the world, that instead of being against or being for certain people or you know, feeling differently about others based on where they stand or, you know, dismissing people's thoughts and opinions because they think different to me, that we would be able to model a sense of oneness, a sense of unity in the diversity of our thinking, um, that we wouldn't other each other. Like, othering refers to the ways that we classify individuals or groups as them, so we can exclude them from belonging or marginalise their voices. And our culture does this all the time. It's us and it's them. And they don't deserve to be heard because they think like this and they are wrong. But I am not. 
And Jesus wants us to die to all kinds of othering, that we would be one together in Christ. Luke, tag team. Hey. I don't need your notes. All right. Um, So that probably segues fairly well because I think one of the really key thoughts that I've initially had when we were talking about judgment was just how much um, in our culture and our world the othering and judging has become like a predominant way by which we understand who we are that I know the identity of Luke based not on necessarily on who I am but on who I'm not I'm not like them or I'm not like them or I am like this little group here I am like central or whatever it is, um, that it's us and them, it's in and out, it's the others, it's left and right, it's conservative, progressive, whatever the, the camps are that you want to put um, yourself in or others in or out of. Um, so to illustrate this, I'm gonna, uh, just going to tell a quick story. Um, and for um, privacy's sake, we're just going to call a person in this story Dan. Um, <laughs> so it was a few years ago. You guys probably didn't know Dan then, but he, he was actually lost on this island um, for a few years and he, yeah, he just disappeared from society and no one knew where Dan had gone. And, but one day there was a, a flight came over and they went over this island and saw these three buildings on the island and so they sent a, a search and rescue ship to go and land on this island and sure enough, Dan was there and they found Dan, yes! And... And it's not this Dan, I keep on looking at him, but it's, um, <laughs> anyway, so, so they came and they, and amazingly, it's just this small, tiny island and Dan had survived on his own for years on this island. And they're like, this is amazing, how did you survive? And he's like, oh, it was tough, but I just, you know, I found a way and sort of explained a few things they did and they're like, what, and these, these structures, show us these structures, these are amazing. So he takes them over to the first structure He's like, oh, this is my house. So I, yeah, sort of built this pretty soon after arriving on the island and came home to me and, you know, it's got all the bits and pieces that I need. They're like, wow, that's incredible that you were able to do that. And can, can you show us the next building? He's like, and he takes them over here and they're like, this is amazing. It was a bit bigger. Um, and he's like, this is my church. He's like, I'm a very, I'm a very faith-filled man and I just, I needed somewhere to worship God and to, to be there with, with, with God and it's, it's really important to me. And they're like, that's incredible. Like, can you show us the third building? He's like, oh, no. No, I don't want to show you the third building. They're like, come on, please. We're, we're about to go. We can, you can go and, you know, have your first beer in years and, and just enjoy yourself. But just show us the building. He's like, no, I, no, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, please. You know, what, what is this last building? He's like, oh, fine. That's the church I used to go to. They're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> And I think it's actually, um, it reveals something that I think is actually really true about what we naturally do in life a lot, is that even when there's maybe even no one else around, we can still sometimes find a way to create an other to maybe make us feel okay about who we are. It's like almost sometimes we project part of ourselves onto other people in order to to feel okay about ourselves. and so in thinking about, if you just want to flick up, oh, you're already there. 
No, that's good. No, go back to the other one. All right, yep. In this verse, so I'll just read it out, the second part out again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so I guess I'd probably always largely thought about this verse as kind of, or been told that this is about us, well, deal with your own sin and then you can help other people deal with their sin. That's kind of the gist of it. And there's probably some truth um, in that. But I think today I want us just to think a little bit more deeply about what Jesus might be calling us to think about here. Um, and I think it's this idea of sight that is really important. And so Oren really beautifully shared about, um, for those of you that are here, he talked about that, that verse where it says that the eye is the lamp um, and talked about this idea of seeing and seeing well and asking good questions and kind of really illuminated this idea of um, how we see the world is really important to who we are and Jesus was calling us into a better way of, of seeing. Um, and so I think that's kind of, again, what Jesus is, is, is pointing out here, that, um, that there's a way of seeing and there's a way of really having obscured sight. And I, and I think it's really clever, this, because and I think about that image, like I can see a speck in Caro's eye, and it could actually be that exact same speck, but if that's in my eye, all of a sudden that's massive, right? So something that looks, that looks small from a distance when it's actually in your own life can be a big obstruction to the way, to the way that you see. Um, and I think there's also something that's really key here in that Jesus is pointing us that, that somehow in removing something from our own eye, that's tied in with the other person. Those, they're, they're related to each other, how we see our own stuff, our own shadow, our own mess, our own sin, whatever you want to call it, and also how we see the other is intricately related and maybe we actually need the interplay of those, of those things. Um, so, what, so what I'm going to do is just share... Um, a few different ways in which we deal with or judge or um, approach thinking about like the other in our lives. So there's going to be some different ways that we look at that. And I guess as I go through it, I'm going to give a few examples, but you might like to think about what are the ways that you do each of these things. Because probably for each of us, there are different people or groups or um, parts of society even that we do each of these different things with. So these are ways that we... Um, cope with or label or whatever the others in our world. So the first one is that we consume them. So, yep, yep, how do we deal with or judge others in our lives? So we consume. So this is to take the differences between us and make them the same, or it's to convert. Um, so relevant example from my life, I'm vegetarian slash vegan, um, which... Yeah, everyone's like not quite sure how to respond to that. Um, and it, but even the fact that I said vegetarian slash vegan, right? If there's, like, if I said that to my one of my vegan mates in particular, he'd be like, you "Can't be vegetarian slash vegan because if you're vegetarian, you are not vegan." And um, and there's this like, I, and I've really uh, since choo- like it was a sort of a, a choice that I'd made to go vegetarian in my life. And since doing that, I've even found myself um, having these conversations where I'm like kind of 
trying to do this, consume other people, convince them about why they should be giving up meat or whatever it is. But when I'm firmly in this like nice little correct camp with my beliefs about things, um, but it's been funny seeing seeing myself do that and go, oh, hold on, yeah, wow, this is like this default kind of way of being right about things. Um, and I think obviously, like when you see that word convert, that brings up our idea of faith and what it means to be Christian and what it means to be Christian in the world and is it our job to go and convert or to consume people to make them like us? Interesting question. Um, and so maybe, the, yeah, maybe there's areas in your life where you want to just convert or consume difference to make it okay or to make other people even okay so that they're not different. So that's number one. Number two, lovely, vomit. We like to vomit them out or maybe segregate them. This is a super common one and probably the easiest approach that we have to others in our life is just to push them aside. I'm not comfortable with the smelly homeless guy down the street, so I'm going to leave him down the street and I'm going to be up here on my own. Um, and so we do it with the homeless. I think about housing commission areas. Beautiful way of just segregating oh, here's a bunch of people that are a bit different, let's lump them over here and we can be over, over there. Um, refugees, um, people who annoy us. <laughs> it's, there's a full spectrum there, but we like to just segregate, stay separate. I can have my beliefs, you can, whatever, you can be over there. Uh, number three, we can coexist. So we can ignore the differences. So... Sorry, can I get some water? Um, <coughs> I did this in class the other day. <laughs> and you just try and push through. Um, <coughs> There's no water in class. <coughs> no, I think year eight was really good to me. They didn't know what to do with it. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we can coexist, so we can ignore the differences. Another really common one, I think family situations, this is often what we do. We know we have to still live with these people, but there's, there's often big differences that happen. So we just pretend that the differences don't, don't exist. Um, maybe it's another one that's pretty relevant. <coughs> that's pretty relevant for church. Is this what we do in church sometimes? All the marijuana smokers out there are like, yeah. Another <laughs> <laughs> well, Kahoot has told <laughs> you've been exposed now. But maybe that's what we do. We think, oh, okay, you've got your opinion, I've got mine. And that's, it is better probably in a lot of ways than just segregating. But there's still, there's a lot of stuff that we leave unanswered and we're not going to the deeper places of relationship there. So number four, we identify that maybe there's this idea that you've got your opinion about things, they've got their opinion about things, I've got my opinion about things. But maybe beneath all that, maybe actually we all kind of are getting at the same thing. And that sounds... <coughs> that sounds pretty good. Um, on the surface, that seems a bit more evolved. 
this is gonna be, this is gonna be a great podcast. <laughs> um, that seems a bit more enlightened, maybe that approach that, you know, wow, there's a deeper truth here. But what I want us just to think about is if we have a look at one, two, three, and four, <clears throat> and we probably all do each of these things. I might, might let me top up. Um, <laughs> is that each of these? I can hold the, my opinion in each of these, and I am still right. So I've got a log in my eye, and I can do one, two, three, and four. You can do one, two, three, and four, and beneath that all, you are still holding on to the fact that I am right. So let that just sit with you for a sec, because it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So you can do that and ignore that plank or that log in your eye. And so I think what Jesus is getting at with this story is he is calling us into something deeper. He's calling us into what he does on the cross, which is like laying down that need to be right. He lays it down in a very literal sense. And so I think perhaps what Jesus is getting at is option number five, which is maybe just starting to uncover this thing that what happens if instead of seeing the other through our eyes, we start to view the world or the issue or maybe even ourselves through the eyes of the other? What happens if we start to see with compassion and see that difference of opinion that the other person might have? Um, there's a philosopher called Zizek um, who lived in the 1800s and he said, this is not a direct quote, it's a kind of a paraphrase, but he says, what makes us so afraid of the other is not that they are strange or alien or monstrous, but if that we briefly saw ourselves through their eyes, even for a moment, maybe we'd see the ways in which we are strange or alien or monstrous. And so... I think um, that that's a big challenge for us to, to be people that can see the world, that can see issues that are in, our, in, our, in front of our faces, not through the way that we view them, not with this plank in front of us, but through the eyes of, of our brother or our sister that we might disagree with. Um, I've got a close friend that I've known since we were in primary school and we have these kind of key differences in how we think about faith and about God. Um, and he, like, he's a beautiful, faithful follower of Jesus, but there's just these sort of polar ways that we think about numerous things. And I've, I've found it really hard to relate to him, and I've felt like doing a bit of one, two, three, and four. I've felt like consuming, just trying to convince him that I'm right. I've felt like maybe just... It, like keeping my distance, which has, you know, been okay because he lives somewhere else. I've been able to do that largely. Or I've been, I've probably just largely coexisted with this difference of opinion with, with my friend. Um, and then sometimes I've been like, oh, well, maybe it's all, we're all just kind of thinking the same thing. But I don't think we do. But I think the challenge for me in this situation is to think of my mate and go, okay, how is he actually seeing this? Because maybe... 
it's more than just for me just to think, oh, that's okay that he thinks that. Maybe there's actually something in me that I, I need to be more aware of or there's something about these key differences that, we, that I need to see with fresh and new eyes. And so I think that that's the challenge I want to just leave you guys with today. So maybe just take, take a moment and just um, maybe as I've spoken, there's even been like a particular person or a people group or an issue or something that has kind of sat with you. And just, yeah, take a moment just to think, what does it look like to see that issue or to see those people, see through their eyes, to maybe even to see yourself, how they would, how they would view you and to see that with compassion. See through the eyes of the other. Um, and just before I hand back to Caro, I, th- I just think that um, it's really important because I think so much of what we see Jesus doing as he walked the earth was all about the other. It was always about who do you think is in and out, right and wrong, and he kind of always just flipped the script continually. And I think there's something that we need to always be aware of, of that dynamic that can spring up in personal relationships, in societal ways that we behave, in institutions. Um, and so to see through the eyes of the other and to follow that thing that Jesus would call us to lean into is a challenge, but it is really good. So, cool. Karen. You can see why I asked him to do it, right? <laughs> um, I really just want to finish by um, just saying a few things, I suppose. I heard recently from someone, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been at the Pioneer Conference that we were at, and they said, um, we are always one question away from compassion. And they were talking about the ways in which we have conflict or the ways in which we judge or the way in which we just make snap decisions about things. And they were saying, we so often do that in life, but we do that without any knowledge of the story or the pain or the significance behind that person and what's going on. And really, we're always just one question away from understanding where that person is at and why that they're coming from that place which might be totally different from us and I think that's really important for us as people to to remember that there's there's another way other than judging there's another way other than just trying not to judge and that's the way of being curious and being questioning and seeking empathy and compassion even with those who are radically different from us not for the end of being the same but for the end of love, to love that person deeply, even if they are very different from who we are and how we see things. Because their story is not our story and our story is not their story. But I feel like if we are curious about one another and we ask questions rather than judging, then we're leaning into love rather than dividing one another into camps. I think I've got this quote up. Do I have it, Oren? I can't remember. Yes. When it comes to judging, labelling and dividing people, Brad Jerzak writes, reject the whole thing together. Renew your mind. Don't worry about the other side. Worry that you still believe in sides. 
and practice othering. Because as long as we do, we're ensnared. Wiggle free and then help your brother out. That's in essence what Jesus is saying. Like, let's drop the whole idea of there being others and sides and let's learn to live in oneness, in love and compassion and empathy for one another. Not for the end goal that we're all the same, but for the end goal that we might celebrate one another's differences rather than seeing it as something to divide one another in. And I think about that beautiful verse in Revelation where we have this picture of the end and the, coming, the full coming of the kingdom of Jesus. And it talks about the nations, the kings of all the nations bringing their gifts to the throne room of Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what difference looks like when it's celebrated and empowered that instead of the differences between cultures being judged as right or wrong, they're seen as gifts bought, brought to the throne room of Jesus. And the same could be said about your life, the way you see things, the way you are working out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe that is a gift to this world and to the kingdom and to the people around you, not something to be judged by, but actually a gift. And it's my great heart, I guess, as um, leading us in this church that we would do this well. And it's hard and it's messy and it's uncomfortable and it's provocative to coexist in a community of people where there is at times radical difference about things that we think are important. But I want us as a church to be able to do this well, to be able to sit together with the common goal of worshipping our God and loving one another and being able to not just let bygones be got bygones and that person smoking marijuana and I believe it's really wrong, but to actually seek to understand one another with the goal being love that we would actually practice what it means to love one another really well and keep asking questions, seeking to understand one another and not convert one another. Because I actually think that's part of our gift to the world, that we would embody a new community, that we would embody what it looks like to be a people who don't all agree, but actually hold quite different beliefs about certain things and we're passionate about them but we love and listen to one another instead of rejecting and isolating one another. That in this church, you're not told what to believe, but you're invited to bring your story and your perspective and your interest to the table. And that we would aim to see the world through your eyes and seek to understand what your gift is to us. Because each one of us is a gift to the community. And so long as we hide ourselves in segregation or isolation or fear, we're not bringing that which is ours that God has given us to the, to the table to be shared. And it's hard because it might mean being vulnerable. And it's hard because it might mean feeling different. And it's hard because it might mean at times you're misunderstood. And it's hard because at times it might mean you're the other. But I actually want us to practice doing this really well. 
that we as a church would be a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom of God, where we hold love for one another as the highest goal and that we learn how it looks to disagree and still love one another, what it looks like to stand on opposite sides of different fences and still really love one another, that we wouldn't seek to divide one another into camps and make it about us and them, but we would learn what it is to be a gracious community where there's space for people to bring themselves into the presence of God and into loving intentional relationship. But to do that, we have to lay down the right to judge. And we need instead to choose to really listen to one another, to be curious, to be patient, to seek to understand and hear the stories. And I'm going to tell you it's going to be messy. And that's part of who we are as a community. We're kind of messy together. Um, some people really love that. Others of us twitch a bit. Um, but it's okay because conformity and uniformity might feel nice, but it's actually not what the kingdom of God's all about. And so I just want to invite you to come with me more into the mess of being a community where we might let each other down and we might disappoint one another, but we do our best at all times to lean into love and to learn how to stop the wheel of judgment and say, I will not participate in that. They are my brother and my sister and I see Jesus in them and I want to understand how they see the world. Yeah? Amen. You know, Chris, I think it'd be really great to sing that um, Tear Down the Walls song again. Is that all right? Just like, you know. Because that's what we're wanting to do, right? And maybe as we sing this song again, um, Tear Down the Walls of My Heart, maybe you would just like to sing it as a prayer. Or even if you don't feel like you want to sing it, but you just want to sit in the song, I really want to ask that you would bring your heart to Jesus and that you would... What, what are you, are you, are you talking to me? <laughs> oh, you want Kev? Do you want Kev? <laughs> I, I think this is a great opportunity for us to surrender our walls. Maybe not the walls that we've put in our hearts, you know, to keep others out, but the walls that, well, that's the same thing, but seeing it from the other person's perspective. Where in your life have you built walls to other? Where have you wanted to be different? Where have you judged others? And as we sing this song, maybe you could just surrender some of those places to God and ask God to help you to hold love as a higher goal. Yeah, let's stand and I'm going to pray. Jesus, you have called us to be your church and you have gathered us together in this place at this time. And Lord Jesus, I want to ask that you would continue to build us into a community who models unity to the world. Not uniformity, not sameness, but radical diversity held together in love 
that we would really love one another well, even those who are vastly different from us. And Jesus, I wanna say that we can't do this on our own because left to our own devices, we're stuck on the wheel of judgment. So Jesus, would you come? Would you heal our hearts? Would you give us boldness? Would you help us to lay down our lives for the sake of our brothers and our sisters? And that in every act of love over judgment, that you would help us to grow a beautiful community of faith that is a sign and a foretaste of heaven. So help us, Lord Jesus, as we sing this song, we want to say to you afresh, we surrender. We give you our hearts. We give you all the ways that we have built walls between us and them. Give us the courage, Lord Jesus, to tear down those walls and to be one in Christ. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. <laughs>